You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at HuskerCuzCast for all podcast updates and more. We are here for a Purdue preview and a Ruggers recap where the Huskers have a two-game winning streak going by beating Ruggers on the road 14-13. to uh, Guys, we're going to talk about this, but Nebraska's 3-3 three and three on the year, which means we're halfway through the year. Woke up, I woke up yesterday, and I thought about that for a second. We're six games in. we got six games left in the regular season, and I kind of felt sad. I mean, how fast has this season gone already? Derek, have you thought about that at all? I try not to because that means winter's coming and it's going to be cold and I got nothing more to look forward to until golf starts back up. (laughs) Hey, come down to Texas, man. We can still golf here. Tyler, halfway through the season, does it feel like we should be there already? Um, It's been a long year. A lot of shit's happened this season already. (laughs) A lot, yeah. Um, So in some ways, yes. But yeah, I'm with Derek, though. It's depressing to think about that. We're just a couple months away from whatever the hell you do from the months of January through March. Yeah, we're there. Uh, Let's talk about this Ruggers game here. Uh, Essentially, this was a tale of two halves. Uh, First half sucked. And if you need more evidence that the first half sucked, just watch the BTN and 60 uh, review of (laughs) Nebraska uh, Ruggers because they did a drive and they're like fuck this shit and they skipped ahead to the second quarter. It was bad. It was terrible. They even took out the block punt. Yeah. Which yeah, they're like yeah, that's not making the cut either. We're like let's let's get over this first half. <laughs> Tyler, what did you think of the first half here of this game? Well, it was ugly. Um, I mean, for Nebraska, I mean, this is only the second time this season on our first drive we did not score a touchdown. And and the fact that we went in the halftime down thirteen nothing was almost a miracle. I mean, we got on the last two drive of Rutgers, they had an opportunity but uh to score but got a holding and offensive pass interference and you had a couple key sacks, but they were close to scoring twice right before half that probably would have put the game out of reach. And even to summarize more, I talked to you two jokers at halftime. And my God, the sky was falling at halftime. I mean, it was bad. We, we, I mean, it was it was a terrible half of football. Derek, your thoughts? All right. So I thought about how to describe this game as a whole all day long, and the, here's the best thing I could really come up with. It reminded me a little bit of golf. Here, you go out, you get up to tee box, and you shank a drive to the left get into some tree trouble. You hit a second shot and you top it and it barely goes anywhere. And you're just about to give up on this hole. You just want to break your damn club in half and you're pissed off. And then all of a sudden your third shot you hit. All right. You get up to the fringe. Not too bad. Not too shabby. You're like, I'll just put this close and get a bogey and walk out of here with an okay hole. You get up to that fringe and you make and you hit that putt and you're like, oh my god, I actually made this putt. 
and I walked out of here with a par. It was the ugliest par of my life, but I made it. And so you walk away with the with with the par. And, and what does it look like on the score bar on the, on the scorecard? It's a four. You don't look at it as an ugly par. It was an ugly par, but you don't look at it as an ugly par. So it's a win in the win column, right? Yeah. So I, I, I'll take it. As far as that first half, it was atrocious. God, the defense looked lackluster in the first couple drives. The offense was abysmal through the whole first half. The offensive line just was terrible through most of the game, period. Uh, they did get maybe slightly better in the second half, but that first half, you're, Tyler, you're right. This guy was falling. I, I, I think I had text out at one point, fire the whole damn staff. Let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> so I do want to talk about the O line a little bit more, and I don't know if this is the time to do it or if we want to get into the second half. Uh, I we'll just do it after the second half. Let's get to some good news here. So Tyler. Things kind of changed there. Whatever second half adjustments Mickey Joseph and crew are making, they seem to be working. However, I want to know, Tyler, was it more about Nebraska's defense or Rugger's offense in the second half that really changed things going? I, I want to say Nebraska's defense. I want to say Nebraska's defense. But, guys, last week we talked about this in the preview of Rutgers, that Rutgers didn't have a good offense. And when Noah Vedral got banged up again or re-injured or just dealing with his previous injury, their offense went to crap. And all the credit in the world to our defense for you know making the plays they needed to, but there was plenty of opportunities for Rutgers to hit an open receiver. And the, the turnovers we got, all three of them were nice interceptions, but they weren't exactly like miraculous picks. They were mostly thrown right to our guys. They were terrible throws. Terrible and, throws. And, and I mean, in the, in the case of, I, I know we're talking about defense here, but the Miles Farmer interception, like, I don't know if we score. I, if, we, if they would have punted the ball, they just would have punted there. I don't know if we could have driven the ball 75 yards and scored a touchdown. Um, so, and then, and then you look at terrible clock management at the end of the game. I mean, it was, it was very much. Uh, it was I I, I get I got to say more of the blame on that defense is on the Rutgers offense. They just they weren't good. Elaborate on the weren't. terrible clock management. Yeah, at the end of the game, um, we get the ball and I'm gonna get the time wrong, but it was like six fifteen. Um, and, and when we look at that, uh, we got the ball and they call a timeout with about four minutes left. And that was their second timeout. And then before we even hiked the ball, they called timeout again. So they used two timeouts with about four minutes left in the game um, in the same play. I mean, again, and then they go and get a personal foul for slamming a guy out of bounds when we would have had a punt it. So just terrible clock management and discipline by Rutgers. It was two sloppy games in a row, officiating-wise. I mean, have you ever seen a game with as many offensive pass interferences as this. I mean, that was nuts. I don't I don't I don't know if I've ever seen a game with four pass interference penalties, period. Yeah, alone all of them offense. Like that it was bad. I mean you could go a whole season without seeing that. Yeah. Like I mean if you count how many offensive pass interferences Nebraska saw last year in the whole season between both teams, I don't know if we saw four. 
And three out of four of them were atrocious calls. Like, they were just terrible. Yeah. There, there, the, the there's one, one good the, call. The one, the, Travis Volk, like, knocked a guy on his ass yep. 10 yards down the field. That, he, he mowed him down. That, that's, that's offensive pass interference. I mean, yeah, okay. Give me that one. But but I, I'm going to disagree with Tyler a little bit here. I, I, I'm going to credit Nebraska's defense. I, I since, since Bill Bush has taken over in the second half, of de- our, our defense has been – spectacular and granted it hasn't been against the greatest of offenses but in the second halves uh, our opponents have had 13 drives zero points eight first downs only two trips into nebraska territory zero red zones uh, zero red zone drives um nebraska's outgained their opponents 357 yards to 156 yards in the second half uh, and, and to make it even better, in the fourth quarter, there's been 55 plays. Uh, I'm sorry, there was 55 plays for 156. In the, in the fourth quarter alone, Indiana had 11 plays for five yards. And Rutgers had 10 plays for five yards. And you can say what you want about these offenses. That's still pretty damn good defense. Yeah. It's pretty good defense to do that against any offense. I don't care who they are. And it's not like we haven't played bad offenses because Northwestern's offense looks like shit since we played them. And their, their Oklahoma's offense looks look like shit. They did it. Yes, and, and Oklahoma's offense don't look great since we played them. So it's not like we've played just world beaters on offense either. So I, I, I think you have to give all the credit in the world to our defense for standing up and doing what they had, what they did. Even in the first half, when they blocked that punt and to bow up and only give up a field goal, like that, hey, kudos, man. Well, also if you add injuries into there also, because Luke Reimer, he was dinged up in the second half. Quentin Newsom, he was dinged up. He didn't play in the second half. And so Brandon Moore had to come in and play the corner opposite of Malcolm Hartsog. They they looked like studs out there. Say say what you will, but I would I would argue that Brandon Moore has more game changing plays than Quentin Newsom does in his one game than Quentin Newsom's had in fifteen. Well, okay, so I I don't think Quentin Newsom's been targeted as much as Brandon Moore has his whole season, um, so that might be part of it. But on the Luke Reimer side, so Luke Reimer played one play in the second half, and on that play, Rutgers had twelve yards. The rest of the half, uh, they had 73. So I'm not saying like we were better without Luke Reimers. Luke Reimers probably played his best game of the season. But but again, you, you talked about credit to the defense overcoming injuries. I mean, you lose your second best defender in Luke Reimer, who was playing his best game of the season to that point, and you still pony up for under 100 yards when he goes out. I mean, that that's... That's impressive. I mean, I, and again, I don't want to make it seem like our defense just got lucky and that, but I, I mean, let, I, let's be real. I mean, we, we can't have, we need to score more points. That We're not going to be able to shut every, we're not going to shut out the next opponent we're playing for sure the second half. I, I don't envision it, many more second half shutouts this year. So, I mean, yeah. yeah we, we need to be better about playing a full game, uh, playing all four quarters. And uh, that's on every side of the ball. Offense, defense. Uh, special teams was fine this uh, game, I guess. Uh, but, I want, guys, I, I, need to talk, I want to talk about O-line. 
what the hell do we do at an offensive line here? I mean, Mickey Joseph, he was asked the question today, something along the lines, you know, about what he plans to do. And he says he's going to play the, the five best offensive linemen. There's no way in hell that you can say that Turner Corcoran is one of the top five best offensive linemen on this roster, right? If it is, that is just sad. PFF, their grades came out, and he had a 0.0 in uh, pass blocking. 0.0. You can't get worse than that. You can't get worse than that. The the problem is this is a developmental problem. Like, dude, he was almost a five-star offensive lineman. These recruiting services did not miss this big on Turner Corcoran. Well, he's gotten worse. It's a developmental I mean, problem. Like I, I don't, I don't know what you do because you can put your five best out there, but apparently none of them are developed. So, what what fixes this? Well, so let me go back to Turner Corcoran for a second. So I, I don't disagree that there's development issues with him that he probably hasn't been coached. I mean, the the the, pro, the challenge is under that premise. Then neither have any of the other guys. I I actually think the problem with Turner Corcoran goes back to him entering the season. And we, we kind of sh- shugged it off a little bit in the offseason, or we briefly talked about it, is how big a deal it was he was injured all of spring. And as a guy that age, to be out that much time with injuries, I mean, that's weight rooms he's not getting into. That's any kind of drills and development he's not getting. Like, I just think injuries have kind of caught up with him, and he has regressed. Um, and I just think he's not a good tackle. I, I think he was playing better at guard. It wasn't much better, but it was definitely better than what he's doing at tackle. Well, they he need, has to, never they need to try something ta- he, every time, every time, Every time he's ever been at left tackle, it has never been good for him. Well, you they can't need to try roll out different. against yes. Purdue with Turner Corcoran at tackle. You can't do it. I agree. I mean, it, it is time to see something else. I mean, it, over and over and over, he's had more chances than anybody. Uh... And he he just cannot get it done. And you when you watch the replay and you look at that offensive hey. line, I mean, hell, even Bryce Benhart's Bryce, gotten better. I mean, Bryce Benhart he, he graded out well. Like he really, he only played he like play seven much. snaps, but he graded out well. <laughs> yeah, he graded out well. Well, I, again, I take those grades with a grain of salt, um, as I think everyone should. But I mean, a zero point zero, and what my eyes told me tells me he Turner Corkin did not play a good game. The, the challenge is, is who do you start replacing him with, right? Because t- Kevin Williams is injured. Prokoska's obviously out for the year. I mean, so the two most likely guys that you change him out aren't available. So, I mean, do you move Ben Hart to left tackle? Do you play Brant Banks, give him a shot? I mean, he played a, pretty well, that, I thought, against I would, Indiana. I would, I would put Brant Banks out there and give him a shot. Do you give rotate him? Shot. him? Do you at least rotate the guys and see what Start could Brent happen? Banks and see what I, happens. I, I I wouldn't even be opposed to putting Brock Bando over there and giving him a shot and moving Corcoran over to guard. The thing is, you know what you're getting with Turner Corcoran. It's a steaming pile of shit. So put somebody else at tackle and you're going let them hard try. on Turner. You're going. You're, I mean, you're 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 going hard in the paint. It, on it's him. not like it, it, this is like one, two, three games. It's it's an ongoing thing. I can't defend it. I, I, I will tell you this: we, not that our offensive line's been great at any point in this season, but we are definitely missing Prohaska. Like, 
more than I think people are giving it credit for. Well, and I don't know if he was ever really fully healthy. I mean, he he should he didn't look great at tackle all the time either. I mean, no, he struggled. He was he was head and shoulders above what Corker is. Well, there's also a competition thing when he was out there. I mean, he was playing Georgia Southern and North Dakota, looking better. Um, I mean, the competition has gone up a little bit. To be fair to turn, I get you have to try something different. Whether it's rotating guys, whether it's but I, I'm I'm not a, I'm not disillusioned. Like the the thought of starting, the thought of playing Turner Corcoran seventy snaps again, anytime soon is just it's not a scenario you can go down. I mean, if you want to say a positive well, I, with him, if you want to say a positive, I'm gonna say something nice. Last year penalties were an issue with him. He isn't holding anyone this year. He isn't. That's because he's not touching anybody. <laughs> he's not getting. He's not maybe, even getting on blocks. Maybe, Maybe you ought to try punching somebody. It'd be a big penalty, but at least he'd stop somebody. Uh, moving on here, uh, offensive line. I'm sure that would come uh, come up a little bit later. But uh, yeah, uh, Isaiah Garcia. Well, before, before you move on, hold on. Before before you move on, uh, there's another uh, thing that and Mickey Joseph brought this up. There's one more thing you can do to help this offense out, and it's change this offense around a little bit. Start calling for a little bit quicker passes. Call. Go for these quick, little quicker screens and go for the quick slants rather than trying to send people out deep and trying to get three seconds of blocking. Get do do something different with your with your offensive play calling. Well, and I will say this, you know, and, and when you're running a ball, get somebody on the outside. Maybe do a pitch to uh, Anthony Grant instead of just trying to run an off tackle or. Up the up the middle, like get get him on the outside. Well, I, I will say this: Casey Thompson. I know we're about to move off, but Casey Thompson, I thought played one of his worst games as a Husker. Um, but one thing he did do well, especially as the game evolved, is starting to check down. And Casey Thompson, I brought this up last week. All the credit on his toughness, but he keeps his eyes down the field. And honestly, he probably be better to hit that check down just a couple seconds earlier. Because, I mean, like, because well, there's plenty of times he's getting hit where the, he's, there's plenty of times he's getting hit when he has nowhere else to go. But there's also plenty of times he's getting hit because he waits till the last second to hit that check down. And he did well hitting that. That's something that Adrian Martinez often didn't do. But he could get rid of the ball a little bit sooner before he gets hit in the face. Well, and call, and call it happy feet if you want, I guess. But. He's also creating a little bit of pressure on his own by getting out of the pocket too soon. And there was, I know, several, not several, but there was at least a couple times against Rutgers where he just left the pocket. And, I mean, that, that tackle can't hold to keep that guy from moving out. So I, I, he created some of the pressure on his own. But, I mean, the offensive line did nothing to help him. So I get why he was running the way he was. Do you guys want to see him run the ball more? No. No? I mean, if you're going to get hit, you might as well get hit getting yards, right? You're going to get I, smacked. I think, he, I think him checking down is fine. He's just not dynamic enough as a runner to, like, me wanting to see him take off. I think he's better off hitting a check down person and letting them go to seven yards. It looks like there's been a, some opportunities to where he would have an open field to get some yards, though. If he just I, I take off it, running, you know? I guess if you're saying a little bit more, like maybe twice a game more... Sure, I guess I'd support that, but um, 
I mean, again, I have not... Chubba Purdy has not wowed me in his limited action. Um, I, I, I want him to stay healthy. I want Casey Thompson to be our quarterback as long as he can. Behind this uh, offensive line, it's going to be a tall task to, for him to survive another six games. Plus, the defenses that we're about to play are about to get a hell of a lot more physical than what we've seen thus far. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. Well, I'll agree with that for the most part, but I think you're limiting a little bit of what Rutgers' defense was. I agree. This Rutgers' defense was a hell of a lot better than what Tyler ever thought it was. Look, look, I, I get it. And Casey Thompson took a beating in this game, and it's it's he only going to. The defenses are going to be uh, better, or they're not going to be worse than what we comparable. saw. They're, they're going to be comparable. They're, I mean, I, I really think that Rutgers has one of the better defenses in the Big Ten. I, I really do. And I think they proved it against us. I get, the, the only bad game that defense has played was against Ohio State, which what defense hasn't played? They had a bad game against Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, all right, I want to talk a little bit about Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. We uh, haven't seen him much since uh, Northwestern, the first game, and we find out that he's in the transfer portal right now. Not a big shock because prior to the Ruggers game, Tommy Hill had switched from defense to offense, was warming up with the receivers, and whose jersey was he wearing? He was wearing Castaneda's, number two. So, uh Tyler, what do, you, what do you make of this? Do you have any thoughts on this ordeal? Both things, I mean, like uh, IGC and Tommy Hill going to the offense. Yeah, well, I guess on the IGC thing, um, it, you know, it's a significant loss. Um, you know, we, we, we talked about injuries. Another injury that happened in this game was Omar Manning going down. Um, Omar Manning nor uh, Castaneda was one of our top four wide receivers. So it's not like you're losing, um, you know, big playmakers. Um, uh, but you are what you are losing is depth, and, and we're at the point now we are running a four wide receiver rotation. I mean, we're one injury away from being Iowa on the outside. Um, I mean that that is a scary thought, and yeah, so it it is significant on the Tommy Hill front. You know, Tommy Hill, I don't think was terrible at defensive back. Um. But I do think at this point in juncture, you you are looking at three guys, assuming Quentin Newsom is healthier, that have played better than he did. So now the question is, what happens if Quentin Newsom isn't healthy? Then it gets a little bit dicey because I don't know who that third defensive back coming in will be. Will it be Braxton Clark? Does Tyreek Johnson get a look finally? Does Omar uh, Omar Brown move back to corner where he started? Like I don't know what the answer is, but. I, I am intrigued because Tommy Hill is a dynamic athlete, and I am intrigued to see what he can do on the outside. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's that wide receiver room is getting awfully thin. Derek, your thoughts on IGC and Tommy Hill? Uh, as far as IGC goes, I it is what it is. I Whatever, next man up. Uh, Tyler, you talk about all these wide receivers, but there's there's two of them out there. That I'm really curious to know where they went. And it's not big names, but they were rotational guys. And Wyatt Lever and Brody Belt. Like, we talked about these guys. Their coaches talked about these guys so much 
especially Brody Bell over the offseason. And Wyatt Lever was getting some pretty good playing time for the first couple, first three or four games. And now all of a sudden you're just not seeing either one of those two guys. Well, Wyatt Lever's uh, had so two massive mistakes goes, in back-to-back games. Well, I mean, all right. But, I, again, I, you, can, you talk about depth, but I, I don't know. I I don't think I think losing Omar Manning is a bigger deal than uh, I, I, Isaiah Garcia got Castaneda. I he had one really good game against Northwestern where he had 120 yards on like four catches, but since that game he's had one catch for zero yards. It was Oliver Martin last year, right? I mean, it was very similar to what Oliver Martin. He had that great game against Illinois, and then he was on a milk box the rest of the season. Um, that that's how I felt about where he was. Like again, I think that would I have liked would I have liked to see Castaneda on for the rest of the season? I 100 percent would. I think that he's a guy that would have loved to see. Another guy on wide receiver room who's been injured who didn't transfer today is Ramir Johnson. Who's maybe that? he yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's he, been injured. I mean, he didn't travel with the team. I don't know if you're being sarcastic. I I really don't. No, I, I'm not being honest. I've never heard anything about him being injured, but the guy was expected to play a lot, and we have yet to see him on the field hardly. I didn't, we hear I didn't coaches talk about playing him a lot. There. I mean, he didn't travel and he didn't transfer, so. Well, I, I guess I don't know. Did he not travel because he wasn't playing or because he was injured? Well, he can only travel 74. Which brings up the point of I'm not so sure he's injured and just not in the rotation. He's not part of the game plan. That's what it looks like. That's what it's been looking like in all of 2022. No room for you. Which 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 is crazy because I I really really thought that guy was going to be a big part of the game plan. I thought he was going to be a starter. Uh, before we move on to Purdue preview, I just want to talk about Mickey Joseph real quick here. Uh, you know, he's, he's getting a pretty good start here as interim head coach. Uh, back-to-back wins in the Big Ten. Uh, this is something that hasn't been done since 2018. 2-1 overall. Uh, but I like Mickey Joseph. I like him as head coach. I love hearing him talk and stuff. But I want to talk about the shitty hand that he was really dealt with to uh, – audition as head coach for Nebraska here. We have an offensive line that we talked about, which was is pretty dog shit. You got injuries now coming up here uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and then you have a potential offensive coordinator change. There's speculation that Mark Whipple may call it quits during the bye week. And so if you add all of that stuff together, uh, I mean – what a shitty hand it is to uh, audition for your alma mater for the head coaching position. I mean, it's like the cards are stacked against him, right? Derek, do you agree? Or what are your thoughts? Well, I, I want to talk about the Mark Whipple a little bit. Uh, so so specu- I, I heard that speculation. Uh, Mickey Joseph kind of came out and tried to nix that speculation and said, no, he's fine. Uh, people are talking about health issues and it sounds like he, I don't know, he hurt his leg. So this guy can't call plays because he hurt his leg. 
It seems a little odd. Speculation is it's blood clots, which is a little bit more serious. But what it really makes me wonder is, is Mickey Joseph running him out of here? I don't think so. I I, I think he just doesn't want to fire. He just doesn't want to fire another guy. I don't get that read at all. I mean, you think he? I mean, I, he's fired a coach every week, so yeah, he's well, not the coach I, that needs to be fired, though. Well, I'll say this, Mickey. I, I I thought Mark Whipple called a very bad game on Saturday, and a lot of her offensive struggles I think had to do with play calling. Um, so I I, I mean, I don't think that's true, Derek. I'm not buying in your conspiracy theory, but I mean. I feel like you didn't really hear that speculation until the last couple days. I mean, I feel like the play calling hasn't been there. Maybe there's something to it. What I will say this, Justin, you talk about Mickey Joseph being dealt a bad hand. And then, and I guess largely that is true. But what interim coach gets set up perfectly? Like, usually if a head coach is getting fired midseason, it's probably because there's some really, really big deficits on that team. So... I, I say that to say, like, yeah, was it an ideal situation for Mickey Joseph to take over? No. But I, I don't, I mean, who who gets that audition of, like, a perfectly well national championship caliber team that's just waiting for you to take over four no, games in? No, no, no. So, well, I, guess, I, I guess maybe I uh, phrased it incorrectly, but going on after this Ruggers game with uh, Quentin Newsom out, Luke Reimer out, uh, those are key injuries. But again, again, you can't you can't dock it. You can't give him credit for that or back off of that because injuries happen every year to every coach. And these guys aren't expected whether he's interim or even a regular head coach. And these guys aren't expected to be out for the season, right? I mean, this. I mean, no sign of. I mean, again, maybe he's taking a school of Scott Frost on injury reporting, but he says they're day to day. They p- participated in practice today, like I, you don't know if they're, I mean, there, there's no evidence that they're, if they do miss time, it's going to be significant time. So I, I, I don't know. It maybe if this injury thing keeps getting worse, but losing two starters, I guess three, if you count, uh, offensive lineman, uh, Prasca, I mean, that, that's not an unsurmountable thing to overcome when you're looking at 22 starters. Um, okay. I, and again, I, Luke. I, if if Luke Reimer and you know you lost Garrett Nelson and you lose Caleb Tanner, you start losing three, four guys that are really valuable like that. Then we can have a different conversation about the breaks. But I will also say this: I don't think the bar for Mickey Joseph was is insanely high. I mean, he just he has to be five hundred. I mean, that that's really the playing stake I think to get in the conversation. And right now he's one game above it and. He's got to win a couple more to and find his first, path there. And he's in first. He's first place in the Big Ten yeah. West. He's two and zero in the Big Ten. I get it. All I'm saying he's, is, he's, from do, he's coming, doing his job. He's coming out of the job. Rutgers game, I mean, it it's not looking great moving forward with the speculation about Mark Whipple not being there because you're going to go to an analyst as offensive uh, coordinator, a guy that we all had to look up, Steve Cooper. Uh, you have that, and then you know the deficiencies that we already had on defense prior. I mean, it's not like we're super deep at all these positions. If you look at cornerback, I think that Quentin Newsom, that is that that is such a huge, 
huge uh, uh, punch to the arm. I mean, it's like you have Brandon Moore, who just joined the team in August, and you have a true freshman, Malcolm Hartsock. Those are your guys at corner. When we, prior to the season, when we started talking about uh, uh, the depth chart, just just, just to be fair, just, just to be fair, both those guys have more interceptions than Quentin Newsome. Yeah, I got it. I got it. But prior to the season, these are two guys that not one of us had ever mentioned as being a contributor to this team on the defense. And those are your starting cornerbacks right now. Well, you know what? You know what you could do though. I mean, you can move Tommy Hill back. He doesn't. I mean, he could play corner. I mean, he's only been practicing there for. I mean, I, I again, injuries are are, are a storyline for the rest of the year, and there's certainly a storyline going into Purdue. Uh, that there's no doubt about it. I, I just I'm not gonna play a violin right now for Mickey Joseph. I am I'm not I'm not even buying right now. He's a serious candidate. Um, he he's won his two easiest games on the schedule, and I mean, let's be real. Rutgers outplayed us on Saturday on Friday. I mean, they largely outplayed us. So did they? I mean, they had more yards than wow. we had. They were up majority of the game. They were up until about six minutes left in the game. We did not have a lead until that point. I mean, I think they outplayed us in the first half. I mean, they, they very possibly could have. I mean, if a couple questionable calls away from probably going into halftime up twenty to nothing. I mean, I don't know. I I, I just. Yeah, but you could make that same argument for the other way too. We were probably a couple questionable calls away from having seven points on the board sure, in the sure. first half. I I, I guess. Yeah, fair. I, I, I mean, the the, ofi- the officiating was garbage in this game, and and I'm not. It's not. It wasn't one way or the other. It was it was garbage across the board. Big Ten officiating has become a joke across the board. There, most of the officiating going on in in almost every game is just getting to be a joke. Hell, that Illinois game it, it was just terrible. The, the officiating in that game was terrible. The officiating in the Purdue game was terrible. I. It's just getting bad. And I, I don't know. The, the Big Ten needs to take a serious look at the officiating. And you've even seen Jeffrey the Greek bitching about the officiating in the Nebraska game. Yeah, again. And he, he has he has no he has no hand in one way or the other in that game. He don't care who wins that game. And he's even complaining about how bad the officiating is. Hey, Kevin hey. Warren, was he was live in attendance in both games. Yeah, I, again. I We can move off this. I, I just, I I'm just saying, like, it's nice that he's two and zero. Now the real schedule begins. Let's let's see what he does against Purdue. Let's see what he does after the bye week against Illinois, and, and you know then we can start having a conversation if he's a realistic candidate or not. All right, let's talk about Purdue. They are now fourteen point favorites in this game. The over under is at fifty nine. The line opened at thirteen and a half at FanDuel. Uh, I heard it drop down as low as eleven and a half, but uh, prior to recording, it's it's up to fourteen. Uh, Derek, give us some of these uh, stat matchups that uh, are of interest right now. Well, you know, relatively speaking, our offense is for as much as everybody wants to talk about Purdue's offense being so good, they're relatively not far off. Uh, their, their run game is abysmal. It's terrible. They're 10th in the Big Ten, 103rd in the country with only 119 yards a game. Uh, and for what it's worth, 
since uh, Bill Bush has taken over, we're only giving up 52 yards a game, which is second in the country in rush yards. And I, I get it. It's two games. And it was against two bad opponents or whatever. Say what you will. But I, it's still pretty good. So you, you stop the run. You force them to pass. Uh Man, you got you got to, you got to slow down Charlie Jones. You got to slow him down because he's their he's their go to guy. Uh, Payne Durham's another guy, kind of go to guy. He's more of the uh, check down guy, but he's going to be tough to stop. Uh, their their pass offense is good. I guess third in the Big Ten, twentieth in the country. Uh, it scares me a little bit because, again, we got we got to get some pressure on uh, Aiden O'Connell. But just, just again, a little bit of stats here for uh, Bill Bush. He's averaging six and a half tackles for loss and three sacks per game, which would put us at thirtieth and eighteenth in the country. Uh, so, so things have gotten a lot better under Bill Bush, and you put pressure on, on Aiden O'Connell. I think he he's, tends to make mistakes. Hell, he, he had he had some mistakes last week against uh, Maryland. They just didn't capitalize on it. Um, def- defensively, they're they're a good team. They they're at, their stats are about average in the Big Ten, but. Uh, I, I don't know. This is gonna be. A, it'll definitely be a tough game. Tyler, your thoughts? Well, I think when you look at Purdue, well, I think when you're comparing stat matchups, I think a little bit is skewed when you look at opponents. You know, in the Big Ten, Purdue has played uh, uh, Maryland, very dynamic offense. They played Penn State, really good offense. We have played Indiana, Rutgers, and Northwestern. Three teams that are not exactly dominant in uh, in offensive categories. So when I think when you're comparing what Nebraska's defense does to Purdue's, I think shockingly enough, I think Purdue has the advantage on defense. I, I, one of the key stats is Purdue has yet to give up a hundred yards rushing this season um, from any running back. So so this is a game that I think is going to be really key for Nebraska to stay on the field. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get in the keys of the matchups. I guess I'll avoid that. But um, but that kind of goes into my stats. So one of the interesting stats of this game are both teams' third down offense. Nebraska's fourth in the Big Ten, 28th in the country. Purdue is sixth in the Big Ten, uh, 37th in the co- uh, country. Basically identical stats. But Casey Thompson right now has the fifth most passing yards in the country on third down plays. Wow. So... So, I mean, he is getting it done when it matters most um, on those third downs. So I, I think that there is a lot to be said about how these teams extend drives um, in the year. Neither defense has been really known for their third down defense this season. Both are struggling. So, you know, it, it is, I, I mean, again, the key of this game kind of going there is going to be who can extend those drives better. Um who can keep the other offense off? Because Derek said it to begin with, like both teams have good offenses. So if the team that can extend it is going to be the team that wins on Saturday. So keeping it with you, Tanner, uh, what scares you about Purdue? 
outside of all everything that you just talked about, both of you talked about with the stat matchup, what scares you about Purdue in this game? Aiden O'Connell. I mean, Aiden O'Connell this year is kind of, you talk about their stats passing. Remember, Aiden O'Connell was injured for a game in there. Um, he's been banged up. He seems to be getting healthy right now. Um, going into the season, I kind of thought he was the second best quarterback in the Big Ten. I, I probably still feel that way. Um, he is definitely on that upper echelon. Um, you know, there has not been, with maybe the exception of Oklahoma, a game this season that I thought Nebraska had a disadvantage at quarterback. And I think we have one on Saturday. So what scares me is that this is this is a, a different situation that we've been in almost any game this season, certainly in Big Ten play. Derek, what about you? What scares you about Purdue? Oh, it's, it's our pass game. I mean, it, look, again, I, I'm going to talk about, I, I mentioned trying to stop Charlie Jones, but yeah, that's, that's a tall order. The guy's got 603 yards uh, uh, receiving already. He's got seven touchdowns. And if they're not getting it to him, they're getting it to Payne Durham, who's got almost 300 yards uh, receiving and three touchdowns. Um, so it, it's going to be a tough task to try and shut these two guys down. You get behind those guys, there's not a lot of receiving yards behind them. But it everybody knows this, and nobody's been able to shut them down yet. So shutting them down is going to be a tall order. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They're, they're, it's no big secret that uh, they're going to try to hurt you with Charlie Jones and Payne Durham. That's it. Scheme for those two guys however you can. Uh, try to stop them. They're going to keep going to them. Uh, but, Derek, why can Nebraska win this game? Uh, I, I'm going to bring up our defense. and I, I Again, I know that the competition level with Indiana and Rutgers was nowhere near the level we're going to be playing this Saturday. Uh, but, but look, this Bill Bush defense is only giving up 17 points per game. And really that's a skewed stat because one of those touchdowns was a four, was a fumble in the end zone that was recovered, uh, which is 26, which would rank 22nd in the country. Uh, their past defense is middle of the road, but they'd rank 67th at 228 yards per game. Their rush defense has been phenomenal though. Since Bill Bush has taken over, we've only given up 52 and a half yards a game, which would be second in the country. I, I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but that's that's good defense. Uh, the total defense was is at 319 yards under him, which would be 24th. And again, you get you get your your tackles for loss and sacks, which I talked about earlier. Uh, I think we can dial up pressure on Aiden O'Connell, and I, I think if we do, he is prone to make some mistakes. And people say he is a smart quarterback and doesn't make mistakes very often, but watch that Maryland game. See the, Watch the mistakes he made. He probably should have been picked off a few more times than what he was. Uh, so if you can get pressure on him, I, I definitely think you can take advantage of him. All right, uh, Tyler, why can Nebraska win this game? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you, you talk about a rush defense, Derek. I mean, I don't think that matters at all Saturday. They're not going to try to run the ball. They have no attempt to care. So Don't it care doesn't to. really, yeah, yeah it, it's not there. Uh, the reason why Nebraska can win this game is, you know, Saturday was as good of a pass rush as I've seen all year from the Huskers. And with Bill Bush taking over, 
the, the key to this defense to start the year was our pass rush. Purdue's going to give us 60 times to rush that passer. And at the end of the game against Rutgers, the four defensive linemen in were Ty Robinson, Garrett Nelson, uh, Ojean Mathis, and Caleb Tanner. Save the line, th- Tyler. Save I the th- line, Tyler. I think we see those four guys, that package, a little bit more on Saturday. Um, it, it might be a little bit quick. What package is that? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they're calling it. I mean, if I mean, I, I think all the cool people are calling it the NASCAR package. Oh, he said it. Uh, Drink. But no, but I, I think we we've started to see our pass rush come a little bit alive. Um, you know, we, even on that last drive where we didn't get a sack, we saw Ojan Mathis with the deflected pass. We're starting to get in the uh, quarterback's face a little bit more. I mean, I. I, I don't trust our secondary to lock him down. If if we don't get pass rush on him, which I think we can, like we're not going to win this game. It's going to be tough. Uh, sticking with you, Tyler. What are the keys to this game? To add I mean, on I think to that? The, the key is time of possession. We 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 need to keep their offense off the field. Uh, there, I have no illusions that Nebraska is can give them nine ten possessions and keep them under forty points. We, we need to run the ball. Um, we need to actually show dedication to run the ball. There was plenty of series on Saturday where we threw the ball three times in a row, and that's what we came out and did. We've got to keep the ball running, and we've got to convert on third down, and vice versa. We've got to get them off the field a couple times early. Uh, big sack on third down, get some a quick three and out here and there, but we've got to, we've got to win time of possession. That's the key. Derek? Uh, that was kind of mine too. I'll, I'll, I'll go into it a little bit more here, but you got to get the ball to Trey Palmer and you got to get Anthony Grant going. Uh, interesting stat for you guys here. Nebraska is one of five teams in the country with a 500 yard rusher and a 500 yard receiver. Oh, really? And it's the two, it's the two guys I just mentioned. The other teams that have that are Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, Kent State, and, and Ole Miss. The only other teams in the country that have that that going for them right now. Uh, so you, th- there are playmakers. You got to get them the ball. You got to get some holes for them. You got you just and Tyler, you're right. You got to keep the offense on the field as long as you can. Uh, you're gonna and you got to try and play. Stay, I mean, you got to try and keep up with them. I think if you can get to the second half in a close game, I think you have a good shot of winning this game. Uh, I, I like what Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush have done to to make adjustments in the second half. Uh, Tyler, you're probably right. We're probably not going to shut them out in the second half. However, I do think we can make enough adjustments that we can slow them down well enough to uh, make to stay in the game. Yeah, I want to add one more. I agree. I completely agree with you. The, the one that I had was uh, uh, O-line blocking and running the ball. But penalties, you have to eliminate these penalties that sprung up under Mickey Joseph all of a sudden. Uh had way too many penalties the last two Big Ten games. You need to get rid of that stuff. We're going on the road. It's going to be a sellout. I, I kind of like it now. Uh, Mickey Joseph talked about Ruggers. He's talking about a sellout. He's like, that's not a sellout. Not a sellout. But I think we're going to see actually a sellout and actually people in the stands at Purdue. And uh, don't let that pressure get to you. Do not make stupid mistakes because – this is a game where, you know, you're talking about time of possession, Tyler. You can't have these little stupid things, penalties, to come up to n- take uh, 
possessions uh, or plays away from you, on, especially on offense. Keep their offense off the field. So I'll add penalties there. Derek, your bold prediction for the game is? Uh, well, I am going to make the bold prediction that Nebraska finds a way to win this game. <laughs> wow. That could be bold. We're two touchdown underdogs, so. Okay. That's very uncreative. Uh, Tyler, help us out here. Give us a bold Uh, prediction. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm actually going to double down on my bold prediction-ish last week. Um, Again, I mentioned earlier, Purdue has not allowed 100 yards. Double down? Are you going to say 350 yards for? No, no, no. I'm going to say that, uh, again, Purdue hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher this year. But let's be fair. They played Maryland. Maryland doesn't exactly try to run the ball a lot. They played Penn State first week. They are playing true freshmen that didn't really have their feet under them yet. Um, Mo Ibrahim did not play when Minnesota played. So a little bit of a skew there. I, I think uh, I, I think Anthony Grant goes for over 100 yards rushing. And dare I say he goes for 150. You're getting crazy. That's some crazy talk there, Tyler. Bold. Right. You said bold. Justin, I, I want to put this out there because you don't think my prediction is very bold. But I want to throw a few few uh, stats out here for you and what Nebraska has been doing. So winning three in a row in the Big Ten hasn't happened since 2016, where we won four in a row against Northwestern Illinois, Indiana, and Purdue. Uh we haven't run back-to-back road games in consecutive weeks since 2006. How, how many coaches have we gone through since then? Because I'm running out of fingers. Quite a few. So, I mean, it, it's not like this is just a normal game. Like, we haven't. So, I went back and looked. 11 out of those 15 years, we've had chances to win back-to-back road games in consecutive weeks. How many? 11 How? times we've had it. 11, 11 times. times. Okay. 11 out of 15. So, for Ricky Joseph to come out here and win back-to-back games on the road would be something that only Bill Callahan has done out of the last five coaches or however many. The legendary Bill Callahan. It's a tall task. Uh, so it's 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 probably a little it's probably a little more bold than you think it is. Well, my bold prediction is that I think Logan Smothers gets a couple packages in for him this game. I think uh, they need to get more creative running the ball, and with that offensive line, if Casey Thompson is not going to run it, like Tyler, you you say you don't want to see him run it. Put a quarterback in there that can threaten that run. Let. Let Logan Smothers go out there, make some plays. If he gets hurt, okay. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't get hurt. But let Jeez. him run the ball. Let him run the ball. I, I think there's lanes out there that uh, uh, that he can get out there. I mean, Adrian Martinez, he succeeded uh, in running the ball off of a shitty offensive line. I mean, he got so many yards just running for his life and making stuff happen. And, you know. He's kind of doing the same thing at Kansas State, except Kansas State has a good offensive line. Uh, and I'm going to throw out another bold prediction here. One of these two are going to come true. Uh, that Turner Corcoran does not get the start against 
Purdue. He will not start. I don't know what's more bold, Derek's yours. Mine's more plausible. Wow. Right? I, I, I did have a backup one in case someone took mine, but uh, I'm interested to hear your backup at this point. I my my backup was I think I'm gonna take Derek's from last week. I think Trey Palmer has a punt return. Okay. I think he takes one to the house. I, I think that we get him on a quick three and out at one point. We get a really good field position. And, I mean, we didn't really have many chances for a punt return last week, but I think we get one Saturday. All right, I'll, th- I'll throw a second one out then. What the hell? We have four or more sacks in this game on defense. Thank you for clarifying. Uh all right, Derek, how do you see this game pl- uh, playing out? Uh, I, you know, I, I'm going to go off the short history we have of Mickey Joseph here, and I, I think we struggle a little bit in the first half. I think they make great adjustments, and I, I that is something that Scott Frost never did was make second-half adjustments, and it seems to be the golden ticket for Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush right now. Uh so I, I think the second half becomes a different, a little bit different a game. I think next week we're probably talking about tail two halves again. Tyler, yeah, I, I think we get the, some some success running the ball. I actually really like your bold prediction with Logan Smothers coming in. I I think we need a bye week to get our offensive line figured out. I think Casey gets beat up in this game. Um, I I think we really don't shut down their defense. We do cause a couple big plays, special teams. You know, we were close to blocking punts last week. I think we get a couple big special teams plays to help us stay in the game, but we 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 just we can't get them off the field. And Casey Thompson struggles again. I I, I think we get that's kind of how I see this playing out. Yeah, I I'm kind of with you. I I think Aiden O'Connell. I think he's going to be too much for our uh, inexperienced cornerbacks. Uh, I know they don't have a lot of weapons, but I think they're just going to make enough plays out there to really wear down Nebraska. And by the time that we get it going and figuring stuff out, I'm afraid that it's just going to be a little bit too late. Uh, Tyler, what is your score prediction for this game? Yeah, maybe I sounded pretty down on that. I I do think we run the ball well enough to get some points, um, but I I ultimately just don't see us winning this game. Um, I got Nebraska uh, or Purdue winning this game 35-27. to 35-27 Purdue. Derek? Well, I have the 27 as well, Tyler. Only Purdue has a 27 and Nebraska's got 28. Wow. You knew he's going to pick us to win, Justin. He buried that about 10 minutes ago. I guess. Uh, yeah, true. All right, so I have uh, Nebraska covering that 14-point spread, but uh, they lose 31-21 to 21 in this game. Uh, love Mickey Joseph, but I think uh, too many things... Uh, can I clarify one thing? I'm going off the assumption that Luke Reimer and Quentin Newsom will not play in this game. If they play in the game, you know, I mean, maybe it gets closer, but I don't expect that to happen. Uh, but it should be fun. I'm hoping it's fun. 
I hope it's not a, a, another ugly first half, and I hope that there's not a lot of penalties in this game. I just want to see some competitive football and something to you know, be proud of at the end. But uh, Let's move on to games of the week. we got five great games uh, lined up for tonight that we're going to pick. Actually, there's a whole bunch of great games this weekend. It's a great weekend to watch a lot of college football. Last week, I went 4-2, and two, which is pretty good for me. So I'm like 19-17 and 17 on the season. Uh, Tyler, you went 4-2 and two also, but you're 26-10. and 10. Derek, you went 5-1 and one last week. Now you're tied with Tyler, and you're also at 26-10 and 10 on the season. So I'm a close seven games back in this thing with... Uh, we got some time left, so uh, let's get into it. Let's see how we differ or we are the same. Uh, Tyler, we're going to start with you. Number 10, Penn State at number 5, Michigan. And Michigan is seven-point favorites. Yeah, I think the Michigan hype train is getting, getting a little bit out of control right now. I think it's kind of building a little bit. Um, I, I actually do like Penn State. I think that maybe on a neutral field that they could pull off the advantage. But, gosh, going to the big house, I I, I just don't see Penn State being able to come in there doing quite enough to win. Close game, but I, I probably I might end up betting Penn State, but, um, but I like Michigan to win this game. Derek? Uh, well, I'm opposite of you, Tyler. I'm buying into the Michigan hype train. I, I think they're a good team. Uh, Blake Coram's a damn good running back. Uh, Penn State's coming off a bye week, which I, makes me think that maybe it's a closer game than I thought it would be originally. Uh, but in the big house, I, I think Michigan wins this game. Uh, you talk about I know you're kind of judging them off of that Indiana game where they struggled for three quarters, but, man, they ended up winning by 21. I, they're still a damn good team, and I, I just don't, I don't think uh, Penn State's got quite enough to – Pull this out. So I was kind of thinking that you guys were going to overreact to the game against Indiana, and actually, I thought maybe one of you would buy uh, buy into that and take Penn State in this game. I was wrong. Uh, I, I like Michigan in this game as well. However, Tyler, I'm kind of with you on this. It's like Penn State to cover seven points. I think that might be feasible. I'll have to look into that a little bit more, but I got Michigan. All right, this is uh, one of my favorite games in the Big Ten this week, and that's Minnesota, minus six and a half at number 24, Illinois. Derek, this is your team here. This is your Illinois Illini team. We're going to you first. Uh, Danny DeVito, or <laughs> sorry, Tommy DeVito. Danny DeVito? <laughs> <laughs> It's one in it's one in the same, right? He looks like uh, a Tommy DeVito. Danny DeVito looks like a like a a mini me of Chris Berman, doesn't he? He's been doing these commercials. He looks like a <laughs> he looks like Chris Berman's mini me. <laughs> I just want him to see him go. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> anyway, all right, go ahead. All right, so ESPN has him listed as out. Uh, I, I think that hurts uh, Illinois quite a bit. Uh, Minnesota is also coming off a bye week, which I think is an advantage for them. Uh, I, I think Minnesota is going to end up beating Illinois. I'll be rooting for Illinois, but I, I think Minnesota finds a way to win this game. Tyler. 
Yeah, I mean, another uh, guy that's seem, seemingly going to be out is going to be Juice Williams. Um, I, I, I just I think that game against Iowa, as ugly as it was, beat Illinois up quite a bit. Minnesota comes in well rested. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the cover will be, but I got Minnesota in this game. Uh, that that makes all three of us. I thought Derek, I was for sure you're gonna take Illinois. Uh, I if if they were healthy, I would take Illinois. But yeah, I've been on Minnesota. I've been on their bandwagon, and I think this is gonna be a great game. It's gonna be a low scoring game, I imagine. But give me Minnesota. Definitely, both 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 teams are only giving up eight points a game. Yeah, I, I didn't notice it's be, the over. It's gonna be a defensive struggle. Derek, did you notice the over under in that I, game? I I did I did not, but I would definitely be betting the over or under in this game because neither defense is giving up much. Yeah, this is probably it's probably two of the best defensive coordinators in the Big Ten right here. That is bold. That is bold. I don't agree with you there, but. Uh, next game, number three, Alabama, minus seven and a half at number six, Tennessee. Tyler. I mean, we've been doing this podcast now for eight years. A, a rule that I started to live by is don't pick against Saban. Uh, I mean, they just, I mean, they didn't lose against A&M, but they might as well have. I mean, I just, I think Saban's pissed off. He gets the best out of them. I Tennessee's been good this year. It's hard to not think they've done well. Um I, I just think this is a game that just Saban kind of comes in and re-gets that number one spot. He, I think they steamrolled Tennessee. Wow. Derek. Here's the problem with that, Tyler. Uh, the reason they looked so bad last week is because Bryce Young was out and, again, listed as doubtful for this weekend. And I think without him, I think Tennessee comes out with a win because they're playing probably the best ball in the country right now. So you're taking Tennessee? Yep. Yeah, I'm taking Tennessee also. I mean, Josh Heupel, what he's doing there at Tennessee, Nebraska just got... Damn it. Can I change my pick? They got the wrong damn coach. Nebraska got the wrong damn coach out of UCF. I mean, they should have waited. They should have waited and grabbed Josh Heupel because what he's doing is just amazing. He's lighting it up on offense. I mean, their defense isn't great, but when you're putting up as many points as they are, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's a bend and don't break defense, right, Derek? I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I I think it'll be great. Uh, Tennessee getting seven and a half points is a great bet, especially if Bryce Young does not start. I mean, love it. Uh, Sam says he's helpful. I'm telling you, if Bryce Young if Bryce Young does not play, I Tennessee wins this game probably fairly easily. Oh, are you are are you betting money line on this one, Derek? Uh, I, I would be tempted if I know for a fact that Bryce Young's not playing. You better get it in early because once it comes out, it's changing. <laughs> uh, next game, number eight, Oklahoma State at number 13, TCU. TCU's four-point favorites. Tyler. Yeah, I mean, TCU obviously coming off the big victory against Kansas last week. I mean, they they could be as shocking of a team as there is in the country. I did not see this out of TCU. However, I think Oklahoma State, man, they they could be the real deal. Um, I I think they're 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 heading to wherever the hell this Big Ten twelve championship game is being played this year. 
Um, I mean, I think they, they have kind of looked like a lock right now to get into the Big 12 championship as well as they've been playing. I, I got Oklahoma State winning this game. Uh, t- uh, Derek? Well, to be fair, the Big 12 championship is probably going to be a rematch between these two teams. So, so, so I, I'm going to go with the home team here and say that just being at home, TCU has a slight advantage. I think TCU comes out with a slight victory. I, this is a good game. This is probably to me the game of the week. That both teams are five and zero. Both teams are looking really good, doing what they're doing. Uh, there's really not a huge advantage for either team. Both of them have similar offenses, similar defenses. Uh, I, I'm just gonna go with the home team. I, I, that's that's the only thing I'm picking here. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with Oklahoma State here. Uh, it, this is tough. I like TCU. I mean, TCU is easy to root for, also, right? I mean, I've been rooting for them a lot this year. You no, know, Derek. No, they're not easy to root for. I don't root for anybody wearing purple. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't hate TCU. Uh don't hate Oklahoma State, but I'm looking for a good game. Give me Oklahoma State. At number seven, USC at number 20, Utah. A uh, Pac-12 game. Ugh. Utah's three and a half point favorites. Uh, Tyler, we're going to go to you because you like the Pac-12. I mean, I, I don't like the Pac-12. I acknowledge that they're a better conference than the Big 12, which we seem to find a game to pick every weekend, but that's neither here nor there. Um you know, I, I think it's probably a sexy pick right now to pick USC. You know, you look at them 6-0, and you look at Caleb Williams, but if you kind of look at those games a little bit, they, they, they beat Oregon State by a field goal. They needed 14 consecutive points to beat Arizona State. Uh, they were up by three going into the fourth quarter. They were up at three in halftime against Washington State. I mean, they, they haven't been dominant by any stretch of the imagination. Uh Maybe this is still some bias from me going in the season on Utah. Maybe this is just me picking the home team, but I or wanting to see USC lose because I don't want the hype train to get out of control. But I, I got Utah winning this game. Derek, look, Utah has lost their only two tough games that they played, and one of them is not looking as tough as what we originally thought. Playing against Florida, who's we thought was going to be a good team and isn't really that great. At this point, um, I, I, I'm just not buying into the Utah anymore. I got originally I picked them to win the damn division and win the conference and possibly even make the playoff. Uh, I, I I've fallen apart on on Utah. And I, I don't I don't think they're the, a great team. I think USC has uh, Tyler. You talk about the teams that they beat. Let's not forget that Washington State team was a team that beat uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Oregon State's probably the best they've been in 20 years. Uh, they've played and, some tough teams. I mean, Utah beat Oregon State 42 to 16, and USC beat them by three. All right. I mean, I'm just saying that that's USC probably USC's game. toughest that's game, fine. and that's the what the third toughest game for or Utah. Utah's a little bit more battle tested, but yeah, but they've lost. Yeah, yeah, I'm not false. Utah is the banana of the USC tailpipe wins for this me. Game. USC wins this game, and I think I think they win big. Utah is the banana of the tailpipe for me. I've fallen for the banana of the tailpipe, tailpipe twice with Utah in these picks. 
I'm not doing it again. Give me USC. I hate USC, but I I, I got to go with him. I hate I hate that Justin. I hate it when Justin agrees with me. You love it. You agreed with me with Oklahoma. Maybe State. maybe you got a chance to catch Tyler. By our maybe powers a combined, we're invincible. Well, Derek, <laughs> I think I think by my calculation. Well, then you should have picked Nebraska, so we'd be invincible. Yeah, that was, that was a tough order. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so that's the games of the week. Uh, I can't wait to sit on my couch for twelve hours on Saturday and watch nothing but college football. It's it's going to be great. Well, I personally can't wait to go down and play some golf with Tyler throughout the day up there in Tyler land, we'll call it. Uh, I'm excited. A good time. Excited to watch the game with you, Tyler. I'm excited to play some golf with you. Hey, let me know if you guys uh, see Scott Frost out there in Ashland. Dude, he's not He's not in Ashland. He's, out, he's fired. He's moved back to Florida by now. I need to go drive by and see if his house is for sale. He might be out there. Yeah. He won't be coaching on Saturday. You guys might see him on the golf course. He didn't move to Florida. He moved to Arizona. Oh, he's going to be the new head coach down at ASU. I forgot about that. Well, you guys have fun. I'm kind of jealous that I, I'm not up there for that. But uh, it, it'll at least be warm here in Texas while you guys are freezing your balls off in Nebraska. Or is that just Sunday? Uh, Sunday's kind of turning around. 65 oh, degrees. I can, oh, I can Sunday golf. is 65 degrees now. Not so, wow. 70 75 on, on Saturday, 65 on Sunday. All right. I might drive up. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. It's been fun. Uh, let's root for a win. And I'll, ease, I'll, I'd love to take the loss on my score prediction here. So uh, special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go big red.